0: Hello and welcome to Credit Shift News and Update. This week, I'm Paul Sweeney, Co-Founder and Chief Strategy Officer here at Webio. And again, today I am joined by our CEO and Co-Founder, Cormac O'Neill. We'll be exploring as usual, some of the recent news stories, events, reports, and trends in the credit
1: industry. So before we get started, anything unusual coming up from January? Comic. So look, Paul. I think the good news is we made it through January, right? I know there's <laughs> only there's only 31 days in January, but it always feels like it's the longest month of the year to me. Um, coming on the back of all the festivities that you have in in the run up to Christmas and the, the new year, um, it, it always appears to be one of those months that's a little longer. And, and we're into February now, so that's that's a good thing. How time flies! How time flies! Uh, I, I guess one just as anything in interesting coming out of january as we were just chatting about there before we went on air i've always wanted to say that so now i've said it um some of the feedback we've got from a couple of our customers is that the the rate of delinquencies that we thought we would have in 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 loans and and all the rest doesn't appear to be flowing through um, as bad as we thought it might uh, in January. Now, look, it's it's still very early, um, and this may be a indication that people are balancing their their uh, income um, a little bit better. But it, it is just something to to keep an eye on. That I know we we tend to talk a lot of ah, I don't want to say doom and gloom, but you know the uh, the downside of things. So maybe things aren't as 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 bad um, as we are expecting them to be. Time will tell, Paul, time will tell. That's just a little bit of feedback from one or two of the customers that we have. Yeah,
0: yeah, I guess uh, sometimes, you know, you're uh, putting in the the things you need to do to kind of stop those flowing through as well, like better data up front, maybe efficient processing, et cetera. Um, So maybe they're not flowing through because people are taking action ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on to general industry news. First up, uh, it's the first month of the new year, as you were saying, and of course, people are feeling the pinch. Demand for debt advice also saw an increase. On the Money Helper website, the most popular pages visited included the debt advice locator tool, followed by dealing with debt and help with the cost of living. The most popular search terms during the Q4 period were scams, debt relief order and bankruptcy. So always interesting to see what um, information people are looking for. Um, Cormac and and bankruptcy definitely a harsh one, but scams and debt relief orders. Scams,
1: yeah, that's the that's. The, I know we're probably talking about this a little bit later on, but scams is one that's on everybody's radar now. Yeah, um, I'd say if you went back a number of years, that wouldn't have been the case. But it's those scams are getting more and more sophisticated. You know, watch out there, folks. I think you're right.
0: Um, New research by Pepper Advantage shows a 29.5% annual jump in arrears across its 100,000-plus residential mortgages in Q4 2023, 5.7% higher than the previous quarter. The growth in the arrears rate follows successive increases in the percentage of mortgages that experienced a direct debit rejection, also known as a DDR, where a direct debit instruction is processed by a creditor, but there are insufficient funds in the borrower's account. Pepper Advantage's Q4 DDR rate grew 30.8% year on year. This increase is mirrored on ONS data, where the DDR rate for all credit payments across the UK grew 15% in December 2023 compared to December 2022 big jump uh it's got to indicate something and it's uh i know where we just led at the top of the the call here by saying that we hadn't seen delinquencies called through but yeah like that's a that's a hard number right there
1: yeah i think both points you've raised so far the increase in in people seeking advice and the increase in ddrs would kind of go against what i just said at the start so yeah not necessarily but i
0: think that um uh, like this is a sign of the t- it's a sign of things getting that little bit more difficult again it's when just there isn't enough money in the account to handle um but again, there are processes that you can enact that will help customers not have those situations. Um, moving on to the cost of living pressures. research by nationwide shows the costs have risen for the typical British family since twenty twenty one No surprise there. More than 69% of families are feeling more worried about their finances in 2024 compared to a year ago. More than one in five families have no more than £100 to spare at the end of the month, almost double the percentage in 2021. The amount of families that have no money at the end of the month is is increasing. Uh, Again, reiterating previous research in the area, nearly half of those who haven't yet spoken to their bank or building society say that they either don't know who to speak to about their financial situation or don't think their financial situation could help them. So, again, I think this is somewhat related to the point of the direct debit uh, rejections is just the amount of spare cash that people have at the end of the month is is uh, that's tightening and tightening again.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm kind of surprised that people don't know who to speak to. Uh, it's the onus is kind of on the financial institutions to educate people and make them aware of, you know, where to go and who to talk to if they're having financial difficulty. There's a lot of time and effort goes into that from the financial institutions side. So, um, you know, that would tell me that that message just isn't really getting true. Um, you know, cause that's in. That should be an easy one to solve. At least you should know who to speak to if you're having financial difficulty. That's not that's not the hard part uh, in terms of letting them know who to speak to the actual speaking to them. Yeah, I do. I do appreciate that is that is hard and not easy to do, you know?
0: Yeah, I I think uh, this is a fairly stubborn number for the last few years. We talk about it here internally as like engagement rates. So can you get engaged with a, a customer? Um, you know, do they look at a message, answer a message? Um, these are all the little ways that you help people get engaged. And, you know, SMS is a really good way of reaching out to those difficult to reach customers. They've seen the message and they do engage. It is a way that's a low pressure, low emotional kind of, um, container. And it just allows people to to take a step forward and go, you know, well, who should I talk to? Maybe someone should call me. Who do I call? It's a good channel for opening up that. Anyway, moving on to section two, FinTech, buy now, pay later, AI and related news. A release from industry analyst Gardner has some interesting predictions about the adoption of Gen AI and conversational AI. The worldwide contact center, conversational AI and virtual assistant market was estimated at $18 billion in 2023. That's up 16.2% from 2022. The conversational AI and the assistant market represents the fastest growing segment in the contact center market, helping to spur 24% growth in 2024. Gardner estimates that around 3% of interactions will be handled by conversational AI in 2023, growing to 14% of interactions by 2027. Gardner also predicts that by 2025, 80% of customer service and support organizations will be applying generative AI technology in some form to improve agent productivity and customer experience. By 2026, investments in Gen AI will lead to a 20 to 30% reduction in customer service and support agents. Gardner also says that customer service functions that implement a connected rep strategy, as they are calling it, will improve contact center efficiency by 30% by 2026. What was interesting to me is that AI and conversational AI was positioned as Kind of the replacement technology stack for the previous generation of contact center technology by Gardner here, but these numbers Cormac are fairly big. I mean, when you think about, I mean, we've been through this cycle before where we saw the move from on-premises to cloud. I think we're now seeing the move from cloud to kind of AI-driven cloud or what AI-driven, and these numbers are are fairly fairly significant.
1: Yeah, but they, they, they don't, they are Paul, but like they don't really surprise us, um, given that this is the the industry we're in and, and this is what we do every single day of the week, right? So um, we know the value that virtual assistance brings to, to our customers, right? So we know a huge challenge that they have is how do we onboard uh, train up and retain staff in the contact center industry, particularly in credit and collection. One of the most difficult um, areas to, to 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 work in um, in terms of customer engagement because it is it is stressful at the end of the day, right? So, so how do you scale up and and meet the demand that is out there and is going to continue to grow? And this is where virtual assistants and, and AI and conversational AI has really. Found its groove, in, in my opinion, um, you know, we're seeing it with, with our customers being able to automate a lot of those, you know, FAQs or those forty percent of the queries that we call it in terms of what customers and credit and collections are looking to ask. Where's my balance? when's my next payment due? How much am I overdue? very simple uh, queries that can be automated, right? So so we're seeing that. So you're taking that off the plate of a human agent who's there to deal with much more value add queries, whether it's rearranging um, loan repayments or helping vulnerable people um, where you can really make a difference. Um, so it's freeing those people up to do those. So these, these uh, numbers don't really surprise me. I mean, you know, this is going to be a huge market it's just going to continue to grow and grow and i have to hats off to gartner never miss an opportunity to come up with a three word phrase for something connected rep strategy love that right so you know it's got to be three words and connected rep strategy there you go let's see let's see where that one goes so yeah i agree these are big numbers but we look we just know that we're solving a real pain, not just in the areas I mentioned. There are a number of other areas in terms of Gen AI being used as the, the co-pilot for the agent. So, you know, it can bring tangible benefits here. So I, I just see these numbers getting bigger and bigger. Interestingly,
0: Cormac, the um, numbers from Microsoft came out during the week. And Microsoft, I think they hit $3 trillion market cap, which is some sort of bananas type number, right? But I, I don't know, I, I'd, I'd need AI to figure that out. And I, 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 I've heard the number put at 1 trillion of that is backed by the AI strategy. That's the value that was put on the company by AI. And the interesting thing from six months to a year ago, when Microsoft were bringing out their early generation of intelligent assistants was they were pricing it at uh something like 30 euro an agent and now it's 50 euro an agent so when they went live they nearly doubled the price uh, and that's they there no there no dummies like they obviously have the value um capture saying look it it makes its 10x return for you or whatever so i think we're early early days in terms of seeing what the ROIs are. um, But one of the things that Webio's done is we went deep on the reporting. So we know exactly what's happening at every stage across the platform with the messaging interaction, with the conversational AI, and we can tie it directly back to how many steps happened, how many times did it take you to get something done, and how much money did you collect at the end of the day? You know, at the end of that process. So it's a really tight uh, reporting on, on what's happening. And that's what's going to be required. Uh, you'd be surprised how many platforms out there. Just don't just don't do
1: that yeah uh, yeah no absolutely absolutely and again that's cu- that's customer driven in terms of our customers telling us what they need right in terms of those reports and going deep on reporting and giving them the insights that they need from it so um yeah and again that goes back to knowing that what we're doing is solving a real pain that our customers have and the level of engagement like you know I think it was on last week's call we um we spoke about our new UI and, and launching our new UI and just seeing the level of engagement we're having with our customers in terms of getting feedback on that. Is fantastic. It's fantastic. It's not all peaches and roses, you know. Everything didn't turn out exactly as we expected, but we're getting some really good feedback sure. in terms of how we can uh, you know, Im- improve it. So, yeah, agree with you there, Paul. Change is hard, correct? Hey, change is
0: hard. Okay. Moving on, uh, we take this next section on recent reports. We take this moment to bring to your attention some reports across our desk that we think are interesting and that may raise some issues that become part of your own strategic um, radar during the year. A recent report from Pindrop and VoiceBot AI's Brett Kinsella is one of the first pieces of research into deepfakes and cheapfakes phenomena. It's a great introduction to the area if you're not already familiar with it or need some mental models as to how to think about it. Deep fakes can be images, videos, text. They can be static pictures or dynamic videos. It can be a real person in a fake place or a real person in a real place saying a fake thing. But it did get me thinking about the extent to which financial services may be particularly open to attacks powered by new forms of AI something you were raising at the top of the call here. One of the things to catch my attention was that banking was one of the highest areas of concern for consumers because money is involved, of course, but also where personal identifiable information is at risk. If a scammer contacted your bank and could sound like you and interact with the human agent, it's easy to understand people's concern. The research identified that U.S. consumers were more or less confident That banks, insurance companies, and the like have already taken steps to protect them from these kinds of risks. Now, I was at the TAD summit in Paris last year, and there are certainly a whole range of fraud and scam activities that can occur over your communications channels. So, I guess this would be as good a time as any to recommend to you that you conduct an up-to-date review of what those attack vectors might be on your business and how are you managing them. If as Gardner are proposing 80% of customer service organizations will have AI part customer interactions, my top tip will be to get a head start on the security and compliance implications of using Gen AI and also of how you're communicating and how those channels are secured. In another study, a scholarly article was passed my way to a respect service design colleague of mine at Optima Partners. The article um link is in the episode notes um it's called the future of work understanding the effectiveness of collaboration between human and digital employees in services and it explores the dynamics between a human employee and a digital employee such as ai powered chatbots it examines how visible collaboration cues between the human and the digital assistant influence consumer perceptions satisfaction and a service process fluency. On reflection, some of the themes really seem like common sense to me. For instance, your AI bot can perform a task such as identification and verification step, and that would be an entire task. Or the bot could be overseeing a task that the agent is performing, such as alerting the agent that a consumer is displaying signs of vulnerability. This would be an augmentation role for the AI. Either way, there are opportunities to communicate to all parties who is performing that task if tasks are being overseen or monitored by an AI or human agent. And there are opportunities to communicate that both human and AI agents are working together towards the customer's common goal. So an example from the paper that I loved was when the AI is doing a calculation Instead of displaying a dash, dash, dot, dot processing signal, why not say consulting with my team to get the best answer, or that might give a sense of the AI and the human agent working together to get you your answer. I can see this concept being extended to messaging around handoffs between the AI and the human agent, even communicating that this process has the goal of achieving X, maybe an important cue along the way, I'm reminded of a travel aggregation site that I used to use that had a progress bar displayed during a search function. And it took something like 15 to 20 seconds to return the results. But consumers found that this was better than instant results because consumers felt the service was working harder to find them all the potential travel options. So again, how we display, how we're acting what we're trying to achieve in the overall um, service design, there could be very subtle hints and subtle ways of communicating that have actually outsized impacts on how consumers evaluate the service. The paper overall was a cue to me that we are still in the early days of human interface design with the new gen AI and conversational AI systems. And there are multiple ways in which we might be able to make this simple. Uh, by making simple UX changes that have those kind of outsized impacts. But my tip from this is that perhaps spending more time on design of conversations and how you message what is going on at any particular time could be a really good and easy way to move the needle on outcomes in the short term. So again, that paper is in the link. It's fairly academic, but I think it's really interesting to think about it as Maybe the AI is performing tasks or maybe the AI is augmenting other tasks. And then how do we communicate which parties are doing which parts and how might that make the customer feel better about what's going on?
1: So that's our two reports for the week, Cormac. Interesting, that last one. Paul, I'm definitely going to check out uh, that link. I'll have a read of that because I think, yes, there is something in that. So how do uh, human agents and AI agents interact and combine? So, yeah, certainly that's one for checking out. Um, the deep fake one is – I was reading at the weekend. I don't know if you saw it. It was one of the – I think it was on the papers that a um, company in Hong Kong were the employee um, – basically transferred 20 million sterling uh, as a result of having a deep fake conference call with who she thought was um the I think it was CFO or whatever it was, but a number of other colleagues that um were on the call made it look authentic and and real. And as a result of that, I think it was five or six transfers were made to different bank accounts, totaling 20 million um, sterling. Like, wow wow um you know like th- that's just unbelievable really is that it could get to that level well obviously it is um and it must have been really really convincing for somebody to take actions on the back of that for for such sums of money just just incredible i i know
0: um you know the i, I know that particular instant it it was as much a social, um, what do they call it when they they, they research you as a person, they research your your life, your Mm -hmm. dog, your interests, um, and and they figure out a lot about how to kind of maybe prompt you into doing something. But I think that the prize there was like 20 million. It made it worth their while to put all that effort in. And really what's happening overall is that the cost of these kind of attacks are moving from cheap voice clones. So we all, I mean, all have received phone calls saying your package is delayed. I just need to get your credit card details to validate that you are, you know, due this delivery or whatever. And they're really cheap and they sound fake and they sound cheap. Yeah. So they're less believable. But the more the quality improves in these um, in these fakes, they're going to become cheaper and cheaper to to achieve. And more and more convincing. And I think that, you know, it, while you're not seeing them everywhere, um, I think companies would be well advised to just put it on their security agenda. What are we doing to look at this? What would we do? What could we do? Just put in some plans. It's always better to have a plan in place and not have to use it than find yourself in a situation where someone has made a decision because uh, they thought it was
1: you telling them to do it. Yeah. That's gotten to it. Like that's an unbelievable level in terms of how they even plan that. I, I think it started out for your email and then it's like, okay, look, you know, appreciate that. Let's get on a call and talk through it and yada, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, as you say, 20 million made it worth their while. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty big amount. Right. Um, There's a new little service out from TikTok uh,
0: company ByteDance and it's a a live voice clone. So for instance, if I had your voice cloned and someone phoned me, I could Mm -hmm. make it look like that it was you actually responding. Or if I phoned them, I could use my voice through that cloning package to make it seem like it was you. And that's in real time. So you're not even... Dealing with an AI answer and question, Uh I can answer it like a human. It's just going to sound like a different person. And you know, you if you've got kids, you've got TikTok. You've seen how your kids will put different faces on themselves and you know, be a squirrel, be a uh, be a poo with eyes on it, whatever makes them laugh. But like, it's the same thing with voice clones. You know, I'll get Daddy's voice and bring yeah. to school and say, I'm not going to be in school tomorrow. So,
1: uh, yeah, I think we're just going to see more of that. Yeah, we are. Yeah. 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 We we certainly are. So yeah. Interesting. Good reports, Paul. Good, good, good reports. Good weeks work there. That's for sure. Well, uh, always good to check
0: in, uh, find out what's happening here at credit shift. We do try and keep you in the loop. We do have a couple of really interesting interviews coming up in February uh, from some people with many years' experience in the credit world.
1: Not like Paul and I. Yeah, we're, we're just, yeah, yeah, we're bluffers. Uh, I'll, have to, mind I'll have
0: to get you removed from this podcast. <laughs>
1: um, so just keep your eye out.
0: Some really great um, insights into some of the strategic challenges in, in the credit business. There's a lot going on. Do check out our stream until next week. Uh, We'll leave you and sign out and keep your eye on everything going on at webio.com in the meantime.